Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. I'm your host, Elger Hero, and as always, I'm being joined by Connor. Connor, before we get started, I wanted to say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, as we are less than a week away from the big guy dropping off presents for all the little boys and girls around the world. Absolutely. Um, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you and yours as well. And, and this is, these are fun times, man. I love the years even a little more special having a little one in the house who doesn't really get it. Yeah. But next year, it'll, it gets better as the years go on, I'm almost certain. But oh, uh, it's I mean, still, I don't, I don't still have, fun. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a kid myself, but I mean, I have my, my nephew who's four now. So he, he's he's all amped up and excited and, and ready, ready for uh for Christmas and, and on Friday. So yeah, it definitely gets as, as they get older and they start understanding more, you, you'll definitely get, get that excitement out of them. But yeah, it's still special for you and for you and your girlfriend, because it's the first time you guys have, have the little one on Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. We we're we're pumped. And just in general, it's just such a fun time mm-hmm. for, for everybody. So right. I'm excited. So, needless yeah. to say. Yeah, so before we get started, I wanted to remind everybody, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour, follow Connor on Twitter, Twitter at Connor10, and follow me on Twitter at ElderHorel54, and review, uh, rate and review us on wherever you listen to us, whether it's Apple, Anchor, anywhere uh, that you listen to the Kelly Green Hour. So Connor, the Philadelphia Eagles coming off of an upset victory over the previously top-seeded in the NFC um, New Orleans Saints. Now, it was the Saints' third consecutive road game. They have the Chiefs this week, so maybe they were looking past the Eagles. The Eagles are starting a rookie quarterback. But while J- Jalen Hurts, he, he wasn't great, but he he did what, what Doug asked of him. He, he, he didn't turn the ball over until late in the fourth quarter. Um, when I thought that was possibly going to be an issue. Um, but But the Eagles were able to hold on. But coming into this week against the Arizona Cardinals, they have a lot of injuries. And we, I feel like this is something we talk about time and time and time again when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. But this time it's in the secondary. Darius Slay, mm-hmm. out. Avante Maddox, out. Rodney McLeod, out. Jalen Mills moving from safety to corner. You're going to have Marcus Epps and presumably Kevon Wallace at safety. Michael Jaquette is going to be the other corner across from Mills. And guess who they go up against this week? Um, Kyler Murray's offense with DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. And they have two running backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield in Edmonds and Drake. Yeah, this isn't going to be an easy test for the Philadelphia Eagles. No, definitely not. The win definitely came at, at a very costly expense. And despite all the positives that we can look at in, in the New Orleans, the win over the New Orleans Saints, Honestly, and I, we talked about it last week, I'm prepared to to lose for better picks. I truly am prepared to position ourselves better in the draft by losing games because the Giants aren't losing much. The well, the Giants well, also the, starting uh, Colt McCoy, who did beat Seattle, but yeah, and then the Washington football team is not losing. So uh, at they, this point, they, they point, also don't have Alex Smith starting. Dwayne Haskins is their starter against Seattle this week. Move on. <laughs> but 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 I do believe, despite those situations, the teams 
these two teams shouldn't even be at the top of the standings this year. They just got the luck of the draw. And I think at this point, we're looking at uh, we need to win out and we need both of them to lose out to get in. Which, well, so if the, so kind of looking forward, if the Eagles were to somehow beat Carolina, or Carolina, the Cardinals, that puts them at five, eight, and one. If mm-hmm. Washington and New York both lose this week, the Eagles, in theory, control their own destiny. Um, because the Eagles would have two games left against Dallas and against Washington. And that would mean you have to beat Washington. So if Washington loses tomorrow to the um, Seattle Seahawks, it doesn't matter what they do next week, because if the Eagles beat Dallas next week, they're one half, technically a half a game behind Washington with week, se- week 17 in Philadelphia. You win that game. You finish a half a game out of them. Then it just depends on what, what the Giants do. But the Giants are also being hit with the injury bug. No Daniel Jones. I'm, and I did mention, as I mentioned before, Colt McCoy beat Seattle. So, I mean, in theory, you can beat Cleveland. Um, but it, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting, though. Like, as, as a fan, you never want to say, let's lose. But then if you look at the situation and look at how things have played out and where the, the – just look, projecting forward, the salary cap being uh, the, the big thing, does it make sense to make the playoffs? Obviously, mm-hmm. they want to see they're starting Jalen Hurts these last four games. While you know Doug isn't going to say or proclaim that he's the starter the rest of the season, they, they want to see what they have in him. They want to see what they have in some of the young guys. It sucks that Jack Driscoll's out for the year. You have to go to Matt Pryor at right tackle, and we know he's had a mixed bag while playing. Um, it's just really tough because I, I don't want to say I, I want my team to lose. I don't want to make the playoffs. Obviously, I want to, but it makes more sense. And, but my big question for you is because you said you want you want the higher draft pick. Do you trust Howie in making that pick? Yeah, that's a big question. Do you trust him to make the pick? Because at this point, and I've said it to a few people, other Eagles fans that I talk to, that at this point, I really do believe that it's you take the best player available at every pick, no matter, and no questions asked. Don't so get many deficiencies cute. That's that the, yeah. exactly that's the thing. Like how he gets cute with his picks. He's like, I'm going to get this guy who who I like more than the guy that they want me to draft because I think this guy's going to be like a hidden gem. You just can't get cute anymore. If you come up at five or you come up at six or you come up at whatever and Jamar Chase is top, you take him. And if you come up in the second round and the best available player is uh, offensive lineman or a safety or whatever, we have to look past the needs because the needs are going to exist no matter what we do in this draft. Because we have all these people who are becoming free. We have a list, I think it's like 13 free agents, and we have no money to bring any of them back. And then we have, we do have some people returning from injuries and stuff, but then you have the draft. But at the end of the day, you can sit there and you can say, well, we have needs at these four positions. We should focus on those four positions. We have needs all over the field. The only spot we don't have a need at is pretty much quarterback and running back. Those are almost are you sure guaranteed about quarterback? safe. <laughs> Well, if, sure my, my point is, if we already have a quarterback controversy, there's no way we need to draft or acquire yeah, I, a I third you. quarterback to add to this this disaster. Um, and you're telling but, me you wouldn't want a second running back just because of the injuries that Miles has had? 
and he hasn't been able to play a full season in his Yeah, because Boston Scott is a free agent this year, and it depends what they do, but the the most realistic way of looking at this offseason, the biggest domino that has to fall, and I hate to say this, I really truly do, Zach Ertz almost certainly has to go. He's mm-hmm. a twelve million dollar hit. You get rid of him, you save that twelve million. Jeffrey is gone. He's thirteen million. Um Deshaun Jackson's gone. That's eight million. Derek Barnett almost certainly has to go. That's ten million saved. Then twelve million saved. The rollover of the twenty million, you're under the cap with those moves. So you almost certainly have to make those moves, as heartbreaking as it is. But I think that like Josh Sweat has proven enough that Sweat and Graham is a better combination than Graham only, and and Barnett. My only issue with, with Josh Sweat is that he gets he has this which which seems to be be a, a trend with this team is he doesn't really stay healthy all that often and he doesn't get like he doesn't really give the hundred percent and it's tough to give a hundred percent every play but he does take plays off and that's frustrating to see. You would think that one of the tackles um probably Malik Jackson could could end up elsewhere. Because there's no reason for them to be playing their three defensive tackles. What are they paying them? 50, north of 15 million. So that I mean, they do out. They obviously realistically, have you to make changes. You, you definitely do have outs. You have options, but the options are going to be at the cost of a big name. At the end of the day, outside of Jeffrey and Jackson, which are the sure things, and at this point, they're not even really big names. They're just big names because of the headaches that they've caused us. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when you when you look at the roster up and down, you, you're going to have to give up an Ertz, a combination of an Ertz, a Jackson, a Barnett. Like you're going to have to your options are really going to have to be very much wide open. We are rolling over, I think, twenty two million dollars. So I think that turns our losses into like 40 million mm-hmm. um, at this point. So at this point, like it, it's tough. It, it's going to be really tough. Um, the good thing is you have Dallas Goddard, you have like a Richard Rogers who can cover off and I know Zachary just coming back from injury, but before the injury, he wasn't looking good. Uh, since he came back from the injury, he's not looking good. He's not going to be worth the pay that he wants to get. And that is one move how he made that was genius to not give in to Zacherts. Zacherts was trying to capitalize on a good tight end market and how he said, have you looked at the next two years for us? I cannot give any money away right now Mm -hmm. until I see what happens and you can tell that was one of the best decisions he made because there was a lot of people who were like yeah give Ertz the money he's a he's a franchise player we need him we need him we've proved this season that it's not necessarily a need to have Zach Ertz anymore Dallas Goddard's doing a good job Richard Rogers did a good job in covering when Goddard and Ertz were both out and sorry Connor and, nope, they're gonna have to pay, and they're going to have to pay Goddard, too. So you won't be able to pay both of your tight ends top 10, top 5 tight end money. when, when they, they Do they both deserve it? Probably. But you can't have two of them, two of them on the same team. Absolutely. I agree. But, I mean, we're, we're kind of getting into offseason talk. But let's I return, to, right. the, so, wait, let's let's return it, to that Saints game. Yeah, let's take it back to the Saints game. Talk about Jalen Hurts. Um, again, he, he, he ran the offense the way that they wanted him to run. He, was, he wasn't. He was more of an athlete or a runner than he was a quarterback. He made a couple of nice throws. The throw on fourth down to Alshon Jeffrey for a touchdown was really good throw with pressure in his face. Um, but he was more of a running quarterback. And if you remember last week, what did I say? I said in his early days at Alabama, he was a one-read and run type of quarterback. And that's kind of what he was on Sunday against the Saints. Hopefully this week, 
they expand the playbook for him because you're not going to be able to win with that type of offense on, on a weekly basis. Um, you have to, to expand it. He has to be able to make more than one read. He has to be able to throw the ball down the field and hopefully they allow that. And, and again, it really pissed me off watching the game last week that the offense that was called for Jalen Hurts hasn't been called for Carson Wentz. I don't care what people say is maybe Carson can't do it. Well, we don't know because we don't know if that's the type of offense that was being called for him when he was playing. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it it all stands out in that stat. I think he's um, Doug Peterson's 11-3 and three yep. when Carson Wentz is not his quarterback. So yep. what are you doing for those other quarterbacks that you're not doing for Carson Wentz that you're not giving the opportunity to with Carson Wentz? But yeah, I absolutely agree. As great as the Miles Sanders-Jalen Hurts tandem is, and they produce 246 yards of rushing offense together, or sorry, 221 rushing yards of offense together at the end of the day that's not necessarily achievable when we need Jalen Hurts to be able to throw the ball kind of like we saw from Taysom Hill mm-hmm. Taysom Hill was not looking good he was struggling and then but when they needed him to throw the ball he was able to step up in that pocket and he was able to throw the ball he was able to find targets and he was able to almost make it a game it got pretty nerve-wracking um there in the final couple in the final like four or five minutes of the yeah. game so one, one thing that I did notice was the Saints adjusted, because you saw in the second half, the Eagles offense kind of went stagnant. And the the one the Carson, or excuse me, Doug Peterson wasn't able to adjust the offense. So he has to he has to figure that out on, his, on for himself, make in-game adjustments. The the the, the uh, defense, Dennis Allen, uh, the defensive coordinator for Saints, once they realized what the Eagles offense was gonna be and what they were gonna do with, with Jalen Hurts. They adjusted. They didn't allow him to get outside the pocket. They didn't let him kind of just run all over the place. And the Eagles' offense in the second half slowed down. So you have to you have to give the Saints credit on that. But you also have to give you know, I mean, the first half got to give credit to, to the Eagles in the way that they played. They jumped out to a 17 nothing lead. That 82 yard touchdown run, you know, maybe that wouldn't have been possible with Carson Wentz. Granted, he's had a couple of big runs with Carson um, this year, but. You know, when, when the defense has to account for the quarterback being a runner, it opens up lanes. And that's exactly what happened on that 82-yard touchdown run by Miles Sanders. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and Miles Sanders even spoke about it after the game, about how big it was that Jalen Hurts opened up a bunch of a lot more opportunity in the rushing game for him. But Miles Sanders was able to do this before. It's just the, the sheer fact that he wasn't getting the opportunity. He wasn't getting the ball enough. He would get it for one or two plays or one or two possessions by the Eagles offense. And then Doug Peterson would completely abandon the only thing that was working in the offense. But I mean, you definitely know now that Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts, they're going to work. It's going to be a fit no matter what. Jalen Hurts is one of those guys who he's kind of like Lamar Jackson. He will tuck and he will run he, no matter what. He will tuck and he will run in a multitude of opportunities and a lot of opportunities where he probably shouldn't. Um, but that's one thing that makes me nervous about Jalen Hurts is we see the Lamar Jackson experience that's going on. And the fact that Lamar Jackson is having issues with his accuracy throwing and they, the Baltimore Ravens said, oh, we're going to throw the ball more. And when they throw the ball, it looks bad. It doesn't look good. And so I want to make I want to see what Jalen Hurts says in the passing game equal to what he has in the rushing game, because it's equally important if you're putting Jalen Hurts ahead of Carson Wentz, Wentz can throw a football. 
Wentz is a good thrower. He has some mobility. Nowhere is near the mobility of a Jalen Hurts. But Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts has a mobility, but seems to have nowhere near the arm talent that we have in Carson Wentz. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and the one thing you were talking about, Miles, getting a chance. He he only had 14 carries. So, again, he's still being underutilized. An 8.2 average. That's absurd. And only had 14 carries. Like, he needs to be carrying the football at least 20 times a game. It's frustrating. It's like they have a a pinch a pitch count on him. As soon as he approaches that 15 mark, it's like, all right, you got to come out. We'll put my, um, we'll put Jordan Howard or last week it was Boston Scott, Corey Clement into the game. So that that just doesn't make any sense to me, and it's it's worrisome. Like, why? He's a young guy. He, we know he can carry the the ball. We know that he has the ability to 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 run the football with the best of them in the league. Why don't they give him the opportunity more than they do? 14 carries is way too little. For Miles Sanders, um, I said it all the time for Carson Wentz, and I'll say it for Jalen Hurst. Doug needs to run the football more. And it's it's worrisome also the fact that Jalen Hurts outran Miles Sanders. If you're going to focus on having Jalen Hurts be your franchise quarterback, that is the exact way that you're going to end up with a situation like an ACL tear or well, some sort I'm of situation too, where there could be an injury. So I'm not too worried about that for one game, but if it's a if it's a habitual thing where um, where um, Jalen is carrying the ball 15 times a game, uh, then I'm then I'm going to be worried. But for one game, for his first start, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But if it continually happens, I agree with you. Absolutely, and um, I mean another thing that that became pretty clear to me throughout that game on the defensive side of the ball was exactly what we are really worried about next week. It's going to be ugly. We need Darius Slay. You need Darius Slay and you need Rodney McLeod. Those two guys are more important than we will ever maybe give. Darius Slay was running the gauntlet. He was, they, admittedly, he was struggling. He was having some moments, but he was running the gauntlet by himself uh-huh. with Jim Schwartz giving him zero support or zero over the top support against. He literally was in the middle of running the gauntlet of five of the top 10 wide receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but you saw it as soon as those guys went down, the game got close. Yep. Your blood pressure, your blood started flowing. Your blood pressure was going up because Taysom Hill was completing passes. Whereas through the whole first half, I sat there and I was like, I called it as soon as he faced an actual defense, Taysom Hill wasn't going to be able to do anything, which markedly could be still true because at the end of the day we lost three key pieces at early on in the second half and Taysom Hill took advantage of that which you should take advantage of that whether you're the starting quarterback the backup quarterback or third string quarterback if you're getting the opportunity to take advantage of a team who is getting plagued and beaten down by injuries you absolutely take advantage of it but in the throughout that first half I thought Taysom Hill looked exactly like I said, exactly as advertised. He's overrated. He had a couple easy matchups, and he came in facing a much tougher defense, and it definitely showed in the first half. But then when the injuries piled on, he started to take full advantage of it with the weapons that he had. Yeah, I agree with you. The injuries were, were, a, big, were a big factor in that second half, and Doug not making adjustments to the offense were also a big factor. So that's something you know, that they're going to have to worry about coming into the, the Boomer Bowl this weekend when you have the two, the last two Oklahoma Sooner uh, quarterbacks in Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts starting against each other. Um, 
I'm, I'm just, it, it's, look, I'm happy we won. I was shocked that we won. I didn't, I, I didn't expect the win. I expected us to, to, to kind of get, I don't want to say blown out, but for it not to be a competitive game. So of course I was happy. And of course I was cheering for Jalen. I'm a big Jalen fan fan. Anybody that knows me knows I was a big fan of his at Bama. Um, you know, he just kind of, he just got overpassed by a better quarterback in Tua. But coming into this draft, I thought that Jalen had the opportunity, which I mentioned last week, that I thought Jalen had the opportunity to be the best quarterback in this draft class. Um, so it would be interesting to see what happens going forward. Is he going to be with the Eagles or is he going to be somewhere else? Are the Eagles playing him because, you know, they actually think he gives them the better opportunity to win? Or are they playing to see what they have? Or are they playing him because they want to see if they're able to flip him in the offseason for, for a quarterback needy team. There are plenty of quarterback needy teams out there that might, um, you know, might be willing that because of the, the, the awkwardness or, or, or the uniqueness of this college football season, you know, you haven't seen Trey Lance play. Would you rather take the, take a risk on drafting Trey Lance from North Dakota state or trading for Jalen Hurts who played pretty well in the NFL, albeit for four and a half weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would have a hard time believing that we're going to end up turning around and flipping. I think that's probably the lesser of the um, the lesser of it. But like a lot of people, like I, I talk a lot of fantasy fantasy stuff, and a lot of people come to me and they're like, "I know you're an Eagles fan. What do you think of this situation?" And I said, "You know what? Jalen Hurts' value is skyrocketing from a fantasy perspective. It's skyrocketing from an NFL perspective, a real-life NFL perspective. But at the end of the day, I said, when next season comes, they are 100% leaving the door wide open for Carson Wentz to take the job back. So if you're getting hyped up because, oh, Jalen Hurts is doing really well, he's taking over that starting job, that's the Eagles' QB of the future— I would pump the brakes very, very hard because we will. I don't think I see us getting rid of Carson Wentz or that contract until it, probably the 2022 offseason. Because in that offseason, it costs us a lot less, way yeah. less in dead money, whether we trade him, whether we release him, no matter what we do, if you even if you trade him, it's a heavy, heavy cap hit next season. So I think they're going to give Carson Wentz every opportunity to win the job back and i think they're really banking on having a training camp and a preseason next season to really see have a and have a true yeah have the truest quarterback competition so, you can have let me ask you something and i don't, don't want to it stinks because i don't want to like really get into all season talk but if a team offers you a first round pick are you going hmm for and i'm talking about a first round pick for carson and i know you just said that you don't want to pretty much pay him to play for somebody else. But if somebody's going to offer you a first round pick for him, that's got to have you thinking, right? Absolutely. There's no way I can imagine any NFL team thinking right now, Carson Wentz first round pick deal. I just don't see it. I don't picture it. I think there's more of an opportunity of a team saying first round pick Jalen hurts. Hmm. This is interesting because then you get a quarterback on a rookie contract you just flip a first-round pick, and if you think you're already contending, if you think you're just a quarterback shy of of contending, then maybe, maybe. I think it's more realistically to think that Jalen Hurts could garner a first-round pick than Carson Wentz. I think at, at the very most at this point, Carson Wentz garners less than what we will want for him, and that's why we won't move him. I think at most you'd be looking at a third or a very desperate team would maybe go to a second. Did you ever think we would get a first-round pick for Sam Bradford? 
Just saying. Just saying. Absolutely not. And I, <laughs> so I, I kind of stand by. I kind of stand by. I hope people learn a lesson from yeah, those I situations. I know. I'm just saying. Any, anything's possible. A team can get desperate. Um, and so uh, obviously we don't know what's going to happen. That's projecting into the future. Uh, before we talk about this Eagles Cardinals game, there was a report that the Eagles a couple um, months ago they didn't hire, but but um, were consulting with John Dorsey, the former GM of the Browns and the chiefs and if he doesn't be if he doesn't get a gm job this cycle they could hire him full time now it's gonna be interesting uh, we know that you know he i think is a good judge of talent probably better than um howie roseman do you think that this would be the opportunity where if, you know they do actually bring on uh, and hire john dorsey and maybe like for a full-time role that he could be the de facto general manager and while working with Howie, but Howie kind of handles the contracts and Dorsey handles the the player evaluations and, and the picks come draft time? See, I like it. I think it's a really good idea. I just think how much pull will a consultant have with Howie Roseman? Well, that's what I'm saying. If, if, if he doesn't get a GM and they hire him, he won't be a consultant anymore they'll actually hire him to the front office. I think in, that would in take into account what we talked about last week where you say, okay, Howie, we're going to pay you more, but you're technically, you're we're going to rename your position. Yeah, we're going to rename your position. You're going to be, I don't know, head of contract, head of contract negotiations or something because he's really good with contracts. I get it. He can, he can play the salary cap game. He can play the system. I think these next two years are kind of a freak accident. He did a little too much playing with the salary cap, and it got to the point where where all this money piled up, and, and now we're stuck for two years. But I would 100% be on board with this. I think it's a really good decision. I think that we need a good talent evaluator, and I think a guy like Joe Douglas was a really good talent evaluator. I think he was a guy who could look at a roster or he could look at a p- person or a player and he could really evaluate and say, Howie, this is a guy or Howie, this is not the guy. Um, and I know that, that Howie and Joe did drafts together and the drafts haven't turned out great. But I think that over the next couple of years, we're really going to see what Joe Douglas is from a talent evaluation perspective with the New York Jets because he's finally going to get a chance to put his stamp on this New York Jets franchise. Right, but well, I would 100% when he took be Mackay on board. Be- before, before you continue, he took Mackay Becton for 10th, and people were like, what are you doing? And he's going to be a pro bowler, just saying. 100%. He's been one of the, he's been probably uh, arguably the best rookie offensive lineman this season. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the talent was there for him. There was some red flags, but I mean, if you look at like, but smart, like, you know, like the red flags were like, were like disciplinary. And mm-hmm. whereas the red flags when Howie goes out is injuries, mm-hmm. is issues with things in the past like that, that, that end up coming to haunt them in their pro time. But I would 100% be on board with bringing Dorsey on. I think it's a good idea. I think we need a true talent evaluator. And I think Howie needs to take a step back from the spotlight and split the managerial duties. I just don't think that he can make the final decision on certain things. But one thing I trust him with is a salary cap and giving him full run and reign of the salary cap. I agree with you 100% when it comes to that. We'll see what happens come the offseason time. All right. Week 14, or actually technically week 15, game 14 in the National Football League. The Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Glendale, Arizona 
to face the Cardinals. Um, the, the Cardinals have a, a defense that where Hassan Reddick is coming off five sacks against the New York Giants. Uh, Andrew Thomas, the rookie left, I think he's a left tackle for the Giants, did not have a good game. Um, Hassan Reddick, you remember, and we talked about how there was a, this talk of the Eagles trading Zach Ertz to the Cardinals for Reddick, kind of for Reddick needing a, a change of scenery. Um, but playing against the team, we know Reddick's from uh, played at Temple from the area, played in the link for Temple. So playing against the team in which the stadium uh, where he used to play often, th- this should be an interesting matchup. I mentioned it's the the, the Lincoln Riley Bowl. There's a number of names you can have for this. Um, as both quarterbacks played under Lincoln Riley the last two years, Kyler Murray winning the Heisman Trophy, Jalen Hurts finishing runner-up. What are your thoughts on this game, Connor? I'm really intrigued. I, I love Kyler Murray. I love so Cliff I. Kingsbury. I think this offense is so much fun to watch. I absolutely love it. Um, not going to love it against us. <laughs> um, there's a They have a lot of weapons, and they have a lot of good weapons. I find they have some really underrated ones. Christian Kirk. Chase Edmonds, you talk about those guys, I find them very underrated weapons who are just stuck in situations where they're stuck behind just a superior name. Um, So for me, I'm I'm interested to see what happens. I think that the defense is going to have an incredibly hard time in this situation, in this game, because this is this is not the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints are a lot more. They're a lot more methodical and the pressure was on them to produce. And that's why in the second half, you saw them playing with a lot more urgency. But generally, that's not the New Orleans Saints way. The Arizona Cardinals way is to push the pace of the game, is to create these situations where you got the defense on their heels. And and I think that we could see that a number of times this week because we are banged up bad. And it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters how much pressure you can get towards Kyler Murray. It does. But to the same point, it doesn't because I don't think we have enough out there to allow enough pressure to begin to exist against Kyler Murray. Yeah, and, and I had mentioned before we started uh, recording, and, and I had texted you, I said, who's going to cover DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk? Because I, if we had Darius Slay, Darius Slay could be on Hopkins, and even if he were going to get beat, um, you know, you at least have somebody out there that, that's, that has a chance to be competitive with a, with the one of the best receivers in the league, but like is Jalen hurt Jalen Mills, excuse me, going to be following Hopkins around? Um, Jaquette, uh, you know, Blank Countess coming off who they just signed this week, coming off the practice squad. Like he's going to get on the field. Like I don't understand. So I, I don't. I, I have no idea how this is going to how this is going to go down. I the front four for the Eagles is going to have to win this game. If they win, it's going to have to be on the front four. Because if the front four can't get pressure on Kyler Murray and tackle Kyler Murray um, and not allow him to get outside the pocket, they have zero shot at winning this game. Yeah, I 100% agree. It, it's all going to be on the front four, which it kind of was against the Saints. And they were creating pressure. They were in Taysom Hill's face. They sacked him five times, and I think they had about 12 QB hits. Um But at the end of the day, like I said, this is a completely different offense. This is an air raid offense. And Kyler Murray can move. Kyler Murray Mm -hmm. is like Jalen Hurts times two. He can move. He can throw. He's mobile. He knows exactly what he's doing in that pocket. And there was a reason he was drafted where he was drafted. Um, So it's scary. It is really scary to think about. And then you got on the other side of the ball, you got Patrick Peterson for the Arizona Cardinals. 
going up against lining up against what wide receiver of threat at this point. Like I think it, the wide receivers are continue to are going to continue to be almost null and void in our offense because there's just they don't get open, they don't create separation. Um, but and that's the biggest thing that bothers me because every single game that we talk about, every single game when I'm watching, one of the biggest things they talk about is separation. You watch and people are like, "Oh, Carson, they, those are excuses for Carson Wentz." If you watch the Eagles wide receivers. They create absolutely zero mm-hmm. separation, and they force it to be either a tight throw or to look elsewhere. And it's a, it's extremely frustrating. So when you're playing an elite cornerback like Patrick Peterson, you're gonna have a pretty it, he's gonna have a pretty easy day because he's gonna I, I, probably be covering Rager or Jeffrey at most. I mean, he'll he'll stay on his side of the field because Eagles don't have have a, a receiver where he would follow. They don't have a, a Stephon Diggs type or Devontae Adams type, you know, Michael Thomas, whatever, who you put your your legit, you know, number one corner on and say, lock him down. Um, so he'll, he'll play on one side of the field, and you're right. They, they, and they don't do enough crossing patterns. Like, they don't do nothing to, to, to pick, which they did uh, one last week. Uh, I, forget, I forget the exact play, but they did a pick play, and it worked to perfection. Like, they don't do enough of that where they get the receivers open. So hopefully – <clears throat> Excuse me. Hopefully, you know, Doug has figured it out this week. They, he sat down with Jalen, figured out what Jalen likes to run, maybe put some plays in that Jalen enjoyed in college, and that allowed um, that'll allow them to open up the offense this week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm I'm interested to see more of Jalen Hurts. I mean, as much as I'd love to have Carson Wentz back. Because I I love Carson Wentz, I think he needs uh, he deserves a chance to prove himself. I think the next year is what we need to wait for, and that you give Jalen Hurts these these games to prove himself, and to get used to these weapons and to really open up a true quarterback competition next season. Um, but I'd like to see Jalen Hurts more throwing. Like, good, he's got the mobility, but I think that the difference between Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts is Carson Wentz has the mobility to move out of the pocket and make a throw. Jalen Hurts has the mobility to move out of a pocket and then completely blow up a play and run. Mm -hmm. He doesn't actually throw the ball, which is what I want to see. Because if he can roll out and he can throw and he can make plays happen with his feet without, you know, actually running past the line of scrimmage and having to make the play for himself, then I'm intrigued. Then I'm interested to see. Then I think maybe we're on pace with Jalen Hurts for a little something. Yeah, and and again, for his first game last week against the Saints, I didn't really expect him to to you know go out there and, and be that type of quarterback. But we want to see progression from week to week. This is I, I mentioned like his his college timeline last week where he. You know, his his freshman year, he was a pretty much a one-read quarterback. He progressed from his freshman year to the last year at, at, at Oklahoma to where he became a thousand-time better thrower. He can throw the football. Now, does he have a stronger arm like Kyler Murray? No. Um, is, he, is he accurate? Probably not, but he's going to get it there. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, and he needs the, the, the receivers to help, just like Carson Wentz. You need everybody to help. The Eagles' offensive line didn't give up a sack last week. But, A, it helps when you have a quarterback that can run around like Jalen can. But they, they finally had their best five out there, at least that weren't hurt. 
We didn't see Jason Peters out there. Didn't see Matt Pryor out there. This week, they're going into their 14th game with their 13th offensive line combination. It's ludicrous. I've never seen that happen before. So I don't know why or when or if this is ever going to happen again. But they need to find a way to get healthy and stay healthy and not have all these combinations at the off- at the offensive line positions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, next year, if the, if everyone comes back and they can be healthy, it, I feel like it's a position we don't actually have a need at because now everyone's got a chance to play. We know Jordan Mailata is likely our left tackle of the future. He's what you want, exactly. And then you got Brandon Brooks coming back. You got Dillard, who you can move inside. You got... Sayamalu, who might be able to take over at center for Jason Kelsey. You got like all these guys who now have experience that you know that you you what they can do, you know where they can play, they can back up, they can support like Jack Driscoll, um, Matt Pryor, Nate Herbig. Pryor and Herbig are not terrible backups. They're just not great starters. Yeah. They're not someone you want to roll out starting, but if someone needs a break or if somebody goes down for a few snaps, that's that's the type of guy you want to be able to plug in but not the type of guy you want to you plug in week in and week out. Um, and on Jalen Hurts, the big thing was his 17 for 30 for me and uh, for an average of 5.6 yards, that's got to go up. You can't be averaging 5.6 yards mm-hmm. per per throw like that. You got to – we got to move the ball down the field. If you're going up against the Arizona Cardinals, they're going to put up points. They're going to produce on offense. So at the end of the day, five a 5.6 average – is not going to get us where we need to get to. And sure, you can lean on the run game, but the run game can only be leaned on so much before eventually you have to start throwing the football. I agree. So what are your thoughts on, before before we move on, what are, what is Jim Schwartz going to do defensively this week? Like, what Can he do anything to slow down this? Well, I, mean, I understand that Tyler Murray's got a shoulder injury, so he's not really slinging the ball like he was at the beginning of the year. But... If, I mean, if, there, if there's ever any time for him to get healthy, it would probably be this week because that's our luck as Eagles fans. But, um, you know, what can Jim Schwartz do? I think he's not a guy. He's a guy who's very methodical with his pressure. But I think he's really going to have to bring pressure more than the front four. He's going to have to rely on the front four plus some support from whatever, a linebacker, a safety, whoever you are, a cornerback, whoever you generally blitz with, you're going to need to bring additional pressure and additional support because you have to make that pocket collapse. You have to create that pressure right away. And as good as Kyler Murray is getting out of the pocket, it's better to get him moving and and get the play moving versus letting him just stand in the pocket while these four guys are just push, 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 and he gets like all this time to find an open receiver and to make a play. I think that he's going to have to start bringing the pressure. I don't think there's anything he can do in the secondary except do his, the traditional play the sticks, keep the play in front of you. If you can keep the play in front of you and he can bring enough pressure, like I'm not saying bring the house on every play, but you bring enough pressure, you bring enough support pressure, you could make Kyler Murray very uncomfortable, and you could you could get the pressure you need that keeps that that you're able to get take Kyler Murray down, and you're able to sack him, and you're able to keep him in the pocket. If you have things collapsing from all angles, and he doesn't have the time to escape, you're spot on. But I think it's going to come down to as methodical as he is, he's going to have to bring pressure more than he traditionally would want to, additional to the front four. Yeah, and I also think that this has to be a. Uh... 
Brandon Graham and, and Fletcher Cox. They, they have to win their battles. They have to get the Murray. You have to bring Murray down. Don't let him get outside the pocket because he, he is quick. Like, there are people that are fast. Like, Tyreek Hill is fast, and we know he's the fastest guy in the NFL. But from the quarterback position, Kyler Murray is quick. He, he makes one little subtle move, and he's gone. So, and, and with the way, while I know our linebackers have been playing better um, with Nate Jerry not on the field, it's, it's that's still a mismatch. Like I would take Kyler Murray against our linebackers all day, every day. So they're definitely going to have to win their battles. Um, but it, it's got to be that 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 back for the the secondary. I don't know how they're going to do it. And you mentioned the sticks, and I don't know if if you're going to be able to rely on that the entire game. But they cannot allow Hopkins, Fitz, Fitzgerald, who kills the Eagles all the time, and um, Kirk to be just running free. As this game can get long. If you remember that Minnesota game last year, um, in the middle of the year in Minnesota, that game got ugly and it got ugly quick, and it was ugly the entire game. Like that's where I feel like this game could be going, with the way our secondary is going to be patchworked together this week. Absolutely. I mean, it goes without saying. I I'm very nervous about our secondary. Like you, you talk about the offensive line. That's the same old song and dance every single week. Uh, am I worried about the offensive line? Yes. Is it the most concerning part about the Philadelphia Eagles? No, no, because we're on our 13th combination in 14 weeks, like you said. So this is what we're used to. We're used to the shuffling. We're used to people in different places. Um, but this, no Darius Slay. Avante Maddox wasn't great, but I think Avante Maddox, he had the experience. Like You knew he, he was a good tackler. You knew like he could do his job out there. He gave up a lot of big plays. He gave up a lot of plays in general. But at the end of the day, it could get a lot uglier. If Avante Maddox was our best option and now we're moving down the line, imagine what yeah. it's going to be like. Yeah, and again, I, I've always said Avante Maddox is not an outside corner. He's either slot or safety. So I, I don't know how they're going to put this together um, this week. All right, let's move to our unheralded player of the week. Uh, many options out there in a, in a week in which we're getting close. You know, there were all, there was all this talk, Connor, coming into the season. Was, was the NFL going to be able to finish a six, 17-week, 16-game season, including the playoffs? We are two weeks away, three games away from finishing off the season. I don't want to, you know, I'm going to knock on wood. I don't want to jinx anything, but you have to give credit where it's due, the NFL has done a good job of completing these games. You know, we've had a, we had a Tuesday night game, we had a Wednesday night game. You know, we've had a game every we've had NFL games every day of the week except Friday, and that's going to be next week on Christmas night. There's a game, so we'll have at a game, an NFL game every day of the week this year. And and you got to give the NFL a lot of credit for completing this season. Yeah, listen, I I, I said like you know it. I think they can do it, but it could get ugly. And mm -hmm. boy, did it ever get ugly. <laughs> but they got it done, and you have to respect that they got it done, despite a complete lashing by some people. Like, they stuck to their guns. They said, this is our policy. We put this out there. Yes, did it change multiple times in a year? 100%. But like the Broncos situation, they said, isolate one quarterback away from They changed everybody. that this week, too. They, they, they changed that, they said, because you, you you used to, in the past, or, you know, before this week, if you had an entire position group go out and you still had to play the game and you wanted to sign somebody, they have to go through, like, six days of testing or whatever. Five before. days. You have to have five days But they changed that now 
to where you're able to sign somebody, say, on a Friday, and they could play Sunday. So I, I don't know what spurred the change, but they changed it. I feel like there's just a lot of pushback. Like when the Raiders went through their situation with their offensive line, it was, well, you're just going to put a makeshift offensive line together. And like, so there's been a lot of situations, but they've stuck to their guns. And I have to respect the NFL for that. I mean, luckily the Eagles were never hit with it, except for JJ Ortega Whiteside, which whatever, good good for him. Um, but at the <laughs> end, of, had, at, had it in, 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 the, in the preseason or in the off season. True, true. But like at the end of the day, for me, it was like I wanted to see what the NFL would do when they had to face adversity and they faced it really well. They stuck to their guns. They had fan bases losing their mind over stuff. They had fan bases saying, why is this game getting played and why is that game not getting played? And they had an answer. They said, this is the rules. This is how we drew it out. Mm-hmm. If there is an outbreak, like the Ravens, when the Ravens had their little outbreak, they said, if there is an outbreak and there is no source, we're not going to play the game because it's a full team outbreak. It's staff, it's players, <laughs> it's coaches, it's pers- everything. But like the Raiders situation or other situations like that, they were isolated inc- incidences where they could find out where it was, isolate those people, and we can still get a game of football in. And I, I admire that they stuck to their guns on it. Yeah, and the one thing, the one thing they also did, I mean, they they went about finding teams and and coaches and 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 certain players and whatnot and I think that helps when you realize that you're gonna lose money, hundreds of thousand dollars, you're gonna lose draft picks as a team. You realize, hey, we need to really take this seriously, and most teams did. And you know, the only thing my worry is as we get to these last few weeks is teams that are out of it, teams that don't have anything to play for, are they gonna still take it as serious? Hopefully they do, because it's still a thing. Like. COVID is still a thing. It's still a, something that you need to worry about. Um, yeah, we know that there's a vaccine and the vaccines are coming out, but still, you have to take it seriously. And my hope is that the teams that have nothing to play for these last two weeks don't kind of fumble the ball and and, and take others down with them. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I couldn't agree more on that situation. And I think that even heading into next year, even with the vaccine there, it's going to take so long to get all these vaccines and to get all the people vaccinated. We probably will see a, a COVID-impacted season again next season or some sort of COVID impact to it. So I think it's important to to get things right this year. And then next year, you know exactly where you're going into and exactly the rules that you have to lay out. And as harsh as it was to take pics or to find because you weren't wearing a mask, it's true. And I wish that our governments could do the same thing in a real life situation as the NFL has done with the yeah. with theirs. I really do. Because I, I think it would stand out a lot more. And what and when it comes and I do want to say something that's very important. When it comes to the, the vaccine, there are more important people that need it before athletes. So I hope that like at the NFL, the the um Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, like, I hope they don't think that they can jump the line to be like, hey, we're important. We need this so that we can. No, there are more people, more important people out there, uh, like the medical workers, um, like the elderly that deserve and that need the vaccine before athletes do. And I do believe that also the athletes, the leagues need the fans. So they will allow everybody. I would think the smart way to do it. You let everybody get it before the athletes, then the athletes get it because you need fans in those stands. The amount of money lost by by these leagues is enormous. Oh yeah, 
all leagues. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But but I'm, I'm glad we've we've been able to make it through the majority of the season and knocking on wood. Hopefully we can make it through the last three weeks of the regular season and get through the playoffs. All right. So Connor, who's your unheralded player of the week for last week? Well, you brought him up earlier. Mine's Hassan Reddick, man. That guy, that guy's been through hell and back. He he's he didn't get his option renewed. He's gonna be a free agent. Um, he's had his issues. He's he's had his stumbles for being a high draft pick, and it's a really a shame. It happens to more more uh, more NFL players than than not where they stumble if they're in the first three rounds and there's high expectations on them. And he's actually someone I wanted the Eagles to go after at the deadline Mm -hmm. because I think he was someone who could have really helped because he's kind of like a linebacker, defensive end type mixed breed that we probably could have used very effectively in Philadelphia. Like you said, five five sacks, (laughs) two two for tackles for a loss, and he also forced three fumbles. Wow, that that's a huge game for Mayan. I'm gonna go with the Eagles' offensive line. I'm gonna be a homer. They didn't give up any sacks. They rushed for over 200 and what 40, 250 yards uh, against the Saints, who came in with one of the top running defense in the in the NFL. They haven't given up a 100-yard rusher in what over 50, 60 games. And the Eagles had two of them, so they deserve a lot of credit. And the Eagles only had the one turnover on when Hurts fumbled, but the offensive line did did awesome out there. So I'm gonna give them. Um, my unheralded player of the week. They deserve it because of what they did against a really good Saints defense. I love it. Makes sense right. to me. It's the homer way to go. But <laughs> hey, we don't. We haven't had many wins. We finally. We didn't even get to mention it. This is actually a victory green hour too. So like, we haven't had many of these this year. Um, so I'm I'm gonna take take it when I can get it. All right, Eagles, Cardinals, Connor. I want your keys. What are we looking for? And your prediction of the game. I think, I mean, I think we touched on it a bit earlier, especially like Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see more in the offense. I want to see more from him. I want to see him move out of the pocket and make a play with his arm, not his feet. We we know that he can deal with a collapse in pocket. Now show us what you can do with your arm. Um, I, because I think at the end of the day, you can't always be the one to run. You can't always tuck the ball and go. Um, even if you're making smart decisions. We always thought Wentz made some smart decisions, but he was also very aggressive and took the hits. He loved the contact, it seemed. Um, but I'd like to see a little more to Jalen Hurts. And, and me, weekend in, week out, we talk about it. We need to see more from from the uh, wide receivers. We need, we need separation. We need them to do something. I know that a bunch of them aren't going to be back next year, but we definitely need better effort from the wide receivers for sure. And on the defensive side of the ball, we talked about it. We we need the front four. The front four need to win, and they need to win early and often, especially against this uh, offensive line. That's not amazing, but not bad. They're pretty. They're pretty in between middle of the pack offensive line. So it's one that that out the amount of money put into this defensive line, we should be able to create the pressure pressure that we need to create. Um, prediction. I really, I said last week, we both said last week that it could get ugly. And this is another game where I'm like, man, this could get ugly. But I said it last week, so I'm like, I'm going to say it gets ugly, but I'm not going to say it gets that ugly. Um, I I think the final score ends up, I'm thinking 31-24 for the Cardinals. 31-24, 31-24, you have it within seven. That That's close. So I'm really worried about the secondary. I know we stressed it out a lot. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Hopkins, Fitzgerald, and Kirk 
field for a combined 400 yards against us, like and and Murray throws for over 400. Like while Drake and 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 Edmonds are good, the Eagles' rush defense is better than their pass defense right now, and I think that's where, um, you know, Murray and and uh, the co- what the heck is the coach for Arizona? Why can't I think? Um, Kingsbury. Thank you, Kingsbury. That's where I think that they're going to take advantage, and and they're going to come out and sling in the sling in the rock and of course i say that they're going to come out running it um i also hope so because i'm in the semifinals I'm, the person i'm facing is uh has drake so i don't want drake to do anything but we'll see that's that's the selfishness in me right now but um yeah i i i don't know what is our secondary is going to do Jalen mills is the best best corner we have and we moved him away from corner for a reason so i'll be interested to see how how that goes the Eagles, if they, if they want to win this game, they have to win the battles up front on both the offense and defensive line. And again, I think we say that, we repeat that week in and week out, but it's true. The Eagles can win the battle up front. The Eagles can win the game. And what you mentioned, can Jalen Hurts, can they expand the offense with Jalen Hurts? Can he become a quarterback and not a running, not a runner playing quarterback? So that's what I'm going to be interested in seeing. So hopefully... They, they do expand it. Doug's able to make adjustments on the fly. I'm not worried. Usually you, you can tell, like, usually Doug, for the most part, has the coaching advantage, at least it seems like. But I, I feel like these two coaches are kind of even. I like Cl- Cliff Kingsbury. It was weird. How he didn't win in college with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback is mind-boggling. Um, I know they were at Texas Tech, and Texas Tech isn't like a football powerhouse. But he wasn't able to do much with with, with um, Patrick Mones. And, I was, and, and when he got hired by Arizona, I was shocked. I didn't see that coming um, after he got fired from Texas Tech and was going to be USC's offensive coordinator. But, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to be interested in that. My, my score prediction, I just I can't see them winning, the Eagles winning this game. Um, I think the, the Cardinals are going to score early, um, kind of make it a, a, a two- or three-score game. The Eagles may get back into it late. I'm going to go 34 21 uh, Cardinals. It's a shame. It sucks, but but it just feels like one of those games it did last week. But I think the and difference the this time is it, the injuries. Yeah, and the funny part about it, though, they could lose, and they're still not out of it. Like, with two games left, they could, in theory, finish the season 6-9-1. and one. And possibly win the division. Uh, Washington and the Giants have five wins. Um, anything is possible. Uh, so it'll, be, it'll definitely be interest, interesting to see how tomorrow goes. All four NFC's teams can lose, and, and, and neither none of them are out of the division race just yet. No, definitely not. All right. Again, uh, thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Um, a victory green hour finally at last. It's the first victory green hour since that Dallas game, if I'm not mistaken. No, yeah, the Dallas game. Um, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Connor does a great job, as I mentioned, every week of handling the Twitter on game days. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. That's Connor T E N. If you have any fantasy football questions, throw them at him. He's really good at it. Um, I'm at LJHRL54. You can slide in our DMs uh, if you want us to to talk about anything uh if you have any pointers for us we're 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 open to any and everything uh wherever you're listening to the show please rate and review us um we're we're trying to make this you know as as good as we can for for you our list our our listening audience um so thank you for listening to the kelly green hour the eagles and the cardinals as we are three weeks away from the end of 
the regular season. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Fly Eagles fly.